14. Yeah, week yeah. 14 already finished up. Uh, Monday night football game was only relevant to people playing fantasy football and betters, you know, or I guess Patriot fans, but started off on a pretty somber note. Kyler Murray tears his ACL. He's going to be out for this year, obviously, and probably most of next year and really puts that Arizona Cardinals franchise into an interesting position. Now for you and I, I don't think it's too much of an interesting position because I think we were spot on with our prediction of how their season would transpire. Not predicting that Kyler would have an injury per se, but that they would far, far, far underperform, be the worst team in the NFC West. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, probably end up firing Cl- Cliff Kingsbury and looking to move on from Kyler. Now they did sign him to the long-term deal preseason. And now with this injury, they're just in a really weird spot. They're kind of in this limbo of we're stuck with now an injured mobile quarterback. Um, with a lot of veteran guys that are going to be retiring here pretty soon, they're looking at a full rebuild with a, what is he making Matt? 35, $40 million quarterback. What do you think they do here? What's going to go on in Arizona? Well, it's interesting. You know, I think we can date this misfortune of foundational franchise building from a personnel perspective, all the way back to the Rosen pick the year before they took Kyler. Um, if you looked at around the league at teams that have had continuous success, even you know with transitioning from quarterback to quarterback you look at the packers you look at even the patriots you know yes i know they're not dominating but they're above 500 right. you look at these rosters and there are if not superstars really quality players at a lot of the positions and when you look at arizona we can't say that right you know buda baker's great sure you've got hopkins which is really nice you've got marquise brown okay you brought him in via the trade you gave up a first round pick to bring him in uh, and you paid him. So there's more of a salary a salary cap constriction. The point I'm trying to build here is outside of the wide receiving core in the quarterback position, you've got just guys that are okay. You know, JJ Watt's still on this roster. You've got James Conner, who's just okay. And you paid him. Paid him. Yeah. Zach Ertz, who has, was pretty good before the injury, but aging too, you know? And then you look at the rest of the defense, cornerbacks, okay. Linebackers, okay. You look at Simmons from LSU, hasn't really become the guy that we expected him to be in the pro level and you drafted him at a very high level. Um, So they remind me a lot of the Cleveland Browns, you know, we'll say (laughs) six years ago when, when that kind of construction of the roster ended, right? When they started to finally say, okay, let's build a roster. Let's stop chasing the quarterback position over and over and over and over. Obviously drafting Baker was kind of a help to that. But really taking Miles Garrett was kind of the changing of the guard where they finally started to shore up that defense. You know, taking Newman at the cornerback position, that was really big. And then building other pieces as well as the guy from Notre Dame in the second round, the linebacker position, who fell. And that's what Arizona now needs to focus on. Starting to draft quality players every single pick they have. And it's going to be years. There's no way around this, right? They have four wins right now. They have a position to make a decision this offseason. Something you and I talked about off air. Do we trade Kyler Murray and that pick, which as it stands right now, will probably be a top seven pick. There's a lot of dead money on the salary cap with his contract just being signed. But do you trade him and do you go all in for maybe a, a third or second overall pick and take Shroud or take Young, right? Like these are questions that I would be having in the organization. And for me, it's yes. Do whatever you have to do to get a younger quarterback to slowly start rebuilding because as it stands right now, 35 to $40 million, you're stuck. And Brown's contract's not going to help at all. He's clearly, in my opinion, not worth the money they just paid him. DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins is aging. 
You have a poor offensive line, a lot of questions that need to be answered. And by the time this team is relevant, Buda Baker is going to be too old to be making the plays that he's making right now. So a lot of, a lot of change that I expect is going to happen. Um, and it's, and it's disappointing because I, I really want to root for Kyler, but when you Me see too. the body language and you see the way he interacts with, with Cliff Kingsbury, like no matter how you feel about your head coach, you don't act like that. And if, if you really are disgruntled, that's something you should have had it within your contract conversations where it's like, Hey, listen, I want to be with this organization, but I need a real head coach. I need a guy that can actually scheme at an NFL level. And there should have been some kind of agreement between those two sides. Now he's stuck, you know, he's going to be out, as you said, 12 months, and he may not be really back to himself for the 2024 season. And then what we're going to have a year and a half and they're going to have a high draft pick next year as well. And like at what point does the organization start talking about moving on yeah and so i agree and disagree with what you just said there is a little bit of a lot to unpack um but what i agree with is that they need to stop chasing quarterbacks and they need to move away from that philosophy now where i disagree with you is that's trading him in that first round pick for bryce young or cj stroud or whoever it might be I think they need to take a similar approach to the team that we're going to talk about next, the Detroit Lions and some of these other successful rebuilding teams and build through the trenches, right? Sure up the offensive line. Make sure he doesn't have to run around as much as he had to this year and in previous years. Sure up your defensive line. Win and start building around the trenches. And then once Kyler's back from that injury, because he will probably sit most of next year, right? If not yeah. three quarters of the year, half of the year to three quarters of the year, maybe all all of next year, which in which will mean that they're not going to have a good draft pick next year, or they're going to have a good draft pick next year. So if they build around the trenches, get a good offensive lineman, get their Penne Sewell, get their um, TJ Hawkinson, get their Aiden Hutchinson, get these guys like the Lions did to just you know staple the O line be a staple on the D line and start building inside out instead of having all these flashy weapons, quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, a good safety here and there. But if you guys can't win up front, it doesn't matter. Like that's how they lost that playoff game against the Rams last year. They couldn't block anyone. And Kyler was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And, you know, they can get as many wide receivers as they want. They can trade for a strong picks for Hollywood Brown. But if they can't stay on the field, stay healthy and win in the trenches, it's not going to matter, especially in a division where you're going to play the L.A. Rams. You're going to play Seattle. And as long as Pete Carroll's there, they're going to have a good defense. And then, of course, the Niners, you know, so um, I, I say build the trenches, O-line, D-line, linebackers, tough guys. Obviously, Kingsbury's got to go for that to happen because as long as he's in the building, he's not going to be an advocate for that. But um, that's my two cents on the situation. Well, and then you start to look at the roster and, and say, if we're going to do kind of what you said with the lions, we need to start making some moves for more draft picks. And I would say Buddha's got to go right. Then you got to look at Hopkins. This is the, probably the number one asset they for currently sure. have. I agree. You know, they could shop him to a green Bay or a Chicago um, number of different teams that are in no need doubt. of that wide receiver position and get a first round pick for a guy that is getting up there now into the end of his prime. Um, cause they, they need help and they need it badly, you know, and they've got a, they, their trenches are in complete despair. Like it's going to take three or four drafts to get those to where they want them to. Yeah. And, and last thing is they're just not a quarterback away, right? Yeah. Cause they already have a Kyler's a top 
top half quarterback, right? He's top 15 quarterback, top 10. Sure. Maybe he's 10. He's, he's still a solid guy in the league, right? Like he's a lot better than a lot of teams and it doesn't matter. So yeah. I, even, even if he played all of that game against the Patriots, I still wouldn't think they were going to win that game, you know? And that just says a lot for what they had on the field that night. Um, but moving on, I just said, we we're going to talk about the lions. Let's talk about your lines, Matt. So I I'm fully, I should, okay. I'm not going to say I'm fully on board, but I'm right there. And th- this is my take. And I'm sure you're going to agree with me. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But I think the Detroit Lions are a top five team in the NFC right now. I would argue a top four team. Right now, I really only like Philadelphia, the Cowboys, and the Niners more than I like the Detroit Lions and the way that they're playing football right now. And with that being said, these last few games here to close out the season and potentially a playoff run will not only define Jared Goff's career, but they will help push it forward and help him have an actual long-term successful NFL career and narrative that I didn't see possible coming into this 2022 season. Yeah. I mean, I didn't either until I started to see the flashes of Jared Goff that we saw in LA come to kind of fruition this season. And the NFL is all about momentum, right? And early in the season, we were like, okay, Lions, they look nice, they're cute, but they're they're still the Lions at the end of the day. Like maybe right. sure changing culture is is going to cause them to have a better 2023 and a great 2024, but they're just not there yet. And over the last five weeks, they've hit it. Like they are, and I agree with you, top four team in the NFC. And it's because of the play of Jared Goff. He's no longer making mistakes. You know, again, back to that 10 of 11 in Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago. Like he looks like he's found his rhythm. He understands the system. He's utilizing his weapons properly. And ultimately, he is going to take this team as far as they go. Um, my concern is over the final few weeks here that one of these teams are going to trip them up. Because if you look at the schedule, Bears, Packers, um, they play the Jets this coming week. And I think they play the Vikings again. We'll have to look at that. Um, But they can beat all those teams. When you watch this game against the Vikings this past week, they were the better football team. Now, sure, they had a couple of gimmicky plays that like really helped them out, right? The fake punt was big. The catch by Penny Sewell was really big. Um, But from a football perspective, this team looks like every position wants it out there. And that comes from the culture perspective. It also comes from decades of losing and being part of a roster that's going to change that. Jared Goff, though, has proven time in and time out in his career that when the time really gets hard, he seems to fold. And I'm hoping that he's gotten to a point in his career now where he's dealt with enough adversity where he can overcome that hump and he can just continue to protect the football and allow the game to be pushed through the running backs. And if he can do that, you're going to allow more weapons for William or more opportunities for Williams downfield. We saw the 39-yard touchdown this past weekend, or 41-yard touchdown. Something like that, um, yeah. We haven't seen him really utilized yet, though. He kind of was wide open, blew some coverage, safety didn't cover. And as we get deeper and closer to the playoffs, we very well might be talking about this team facing off against the Vikings um, you know, or possibly Tampa Bay in week, week one of the playoffs. And at that point, I think they can push. I think they can make a very strong push. Because with the league being about momentum, it's really them, the Cowboys and the Eagles right now that have it. And the Cowboys kind of stumbled and lost a lot of that momentum this past week. Yeah. Um, so they've got the Jets, Panthers, Bears, Packers. Panthers. So no yeah. Vikings. Oh, Three yeah. of those. The only game at home is the Bears. So they're on the road for most of those. Um, this Jets game is going to be huge. The Jets have a really good defense in. 
the last thing I'll add on to what you touched on there uh, was that look at the weapons that they put around him, right? St. Brown mm-hmm. broke out at the end of last year. They found some chemistry between the two of them. Jamal Williams been empowered. Swift has been playing a lot better. And then DJ Chark, right? A super low key, not a sexy sign. One year prove it deal. Guy, when he's healthy, is a really talented uh, NFL wide receiver. And just those little guys and those weapons around him and this next team I'm going to transition into is the reason why you're seeing a little bit more success here later in the year. And for the Lions, it's just at the right time beating quality teams. And Matt, they're a, what was that? A 55 yard pass on Thanksgiving from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs away from being five or six wins in a row. They win that game on Thanksgiving. If Allen, well, okay, it was tied, but they have a chance to win that game. If they don't hit that crazy throw at the end of regulation for Bass to hit that field goal. I mean, they are humming right now and they've beat quality teams. So, um, I'm right there for all in with you on the Lions. Um, next team that we want to kind of chat about from week 14 here was the Jaguars. Now, they've been playing up and down, right? They have a good game, have a bad game, have a good game, have a bad game. But I'm just really encouraged by what I've seen out of Trevor Lawrence. He's by far the best quarterback in that draft class. I think we talked about that a week or two ago. Um, But my take on them is I think they're actually a lot closer to being a top team in the AFC than you may think. I think they're actually, Matt, just one elite level wide receiver, an A.J. Brown, a Stephon Diggs, a really, really good quality wide receiver. Maybe it's DeAndre Hopkins, Matt. Who knows? He's a little bit later in his prime from being a great team and taking over that AFC South. That division is wide open. Tennessee does not have a firm grasp on it. Indianapolis cannot get it together. And the Texans, you know, they're two, three, four years away from being relevant. They need to hit on their quarterback this year. I think if they just get one staple receiver, one guy to really bring that offense together, um, I think they can run away with that AFC South and compete with the big dogs out there because they have a good defense. Yeah, and it's hard for me because I look at the next couple of years of their franchise building and their personnel development. And you'd like to think, okay, now is the time to be drafting the defensive side of the ball, right? Right. You have your running back of the future, quarterback of the future. Your line is pretty good. It's Mm -hmm. okay, right? Um, You have Zay Jones. You 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 went out and you spent the money on Christian Kirk, which now looking back in hindsight, I understand why they did that because we've talked about this on past episodes. Free agent wide receivers just don't come about. They just don't, right. you know, we could bring up the charts and talk about that at a future time, but he was probably the best that there was going to be in a three or four year window, which is crazy. So what that ultimately means is that you're going to have to trade draft picks to go out and get a number one, or you're going to have to draft and develop, which do you really want to draft and develop when it's going to take two or three years for a guy to become dominant and especially drafting in the middle of the first round, you know, you could easily draft the Jalen Rager and completely blow a pick. Um, so it's hard. Like, I, I think I agree with you fully, uh, that with a number one wide receiver that would just elevate Lawrence even more. But if we look at Lawrence's numbers over the last three, four weeks, man, he's doing a fantastic he's job. He's tearing it out. Yeah. And, and I think what we're seeing now with Lawrence is okay. This kid's going to be able to perform with what he's got. We need that defense to start to improve. Right? Secondary has got to get better. We need playmakers on that side of the ball so that he doesn't have to throw for 335 yards. Now, I don't think Zay Jones should be the second option or even the first option on this team, which he has become. 
Um, you know, Christian Kirk is a much better Amon Ross St. Brown role player in that slot position than an outside player, which they have played him at at times this year. So it's, it's hard because you want to see these top elite quarterbacks with number one guys. I just don't see a path to it right now with the guys that we currently have available. Right. But we, we oftentimes tie these guys, these great receiver, these great quarterbacks with their, their dual mate, which happens to be a wide receiver Mahomes, right. right. Tyree kill Adams Rogers. Right. Um, and I, I think this might be one of the first times where we see a young quarterback develop into a superstar without that number one would love to see it though. Yeah. I just, I, I could just see that Jalen hurts type of elevation for Lawrence. If he gets someone similar to AJ Brown, you know, because hurts was playing really good at the end of last season. If you remember, but it was the Devonte Smith show and uh, it was a Quez Watkins, Quay Watkins, yep. something like that uh, is their number two. And it's like, those guys are good ball players. Just like you said, Kirk, Zay Jones, we like them. Evan Ingram, like solid, solid players, you know, but you bring in a pro bowl, all pro caliber guy. I think it, I think you could see a similar pop to the Eagles. Now the Eagles have a much better overall roster than the Jaguars do. I totally understand that, but I could just see it completely changing the entire dynamic of that team. So I know we've talked about the wide receiver. The, the market's not great, right? No, but I have a name for you. All right. And this might it. surprise you. And there's so trade guys too, but go that, ahead. Well, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at from the trade perspective, because we really have to be honest okay. with ourselves. Like the free agent market the free is, agent isn't good. Yeah. It's garbage, right? We talked about Kendrick Bourne being the number one option. <laughs> no um, Devonte Adams, Tyreek. So yeah. Shit. I just yeah. pulled up the wide receiver list and I saw, I, I saw a flash of a name, but here's, you know, ranking NFL 2020 wide receivers before the sure. season. There's cup, Devonte Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, uh, Debo Samuel. They're not going anywhere. We can all agree right. with that. Stefan Diggs not going anywhere. AJ Brown not going anywhere. CD Lamb not going anywhere. Tyreek Hill, same. Number 10 is my guy. And it's presuming that Tom Brady leaves Tampa Bay. It's Mike mm. Evans. Maybe Evans is on the block, right? Maybe Tampa Bay says, okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep Godwin because we paid him. Yep. And he's a little more versatile in the in the concept I of like, like working with a young quarterback. We yeah. can now go out, get a first round pick probably or more for Mike Evans. Mike Evans still kind of in the middle of that prime. I think he's probably 27 to 29. I'd have to look it yeah, up. He's in the twilight. Yeah. I think he'd be perfect for a two, three year filler for Trevor Lawrence. Big bodied guy, right? Definitely has proven the pedigree over the last year with all of his thousand yards um, in receiving. Because on the list continues Keenan Allen, probably not leaving um, LA. Mike Williams, same thing. T. Higgins could be a guy also falling into this list. Mike Pittman Jr., also another guy that I would like to see on this roster. Um, McLaurin's not going anywhere. So we have some guys in this range, yeah. Deontay yeah. Johnson as well at 17. Um, and then, then at 20, it's like Tyler Lockett, but I would like any of those pieces really. Yeah. You know, I think I, uh, the best option for me would be a Michael Pittman jr. Because we haven't been able to see him kind of come out of his shell because he hasn't had a quarterback. T Higgins could be a great number one, both guys at six, four. Um, but I, I think, I think Mike Evans might be that number one target you're looking for. That's already bona fide. Yeah, I like that. I like him, and I think him and Hopkins would be the top of my wish list right now coming into the season. Like, make the phone call, see what it's worth. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be somewhere around what I don't know, probably 19, 17, 18, 19, depending on where they're at. Maybe it's worth it, right? Yep. AJ Brown was now, AJ Brown's at a completely different spot in his career, age wise, than those guys, but, well, um, I'd, might, I'd, I'd make the phone call at least give it a shot absolutely that, 
that might lead to a, just a second round pick then, you know, like what's AJ Brown's 25, 26, we'll say same thing yeah. with Hollywood Brown, probably in the same age range. You know, they got the first round picks. They got the, the big deal signed. If you're looking at a 28 year old, 29 year old, you got to then negotiate with this team. Like, Hey, I've only got them in their prime for two years, maybe max I'll give you a second round pick for them. And that's a, that's a huge benefit, right? You bring someone like that in and you pair them with the two they already have. That would be a definite roster-changing move. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, speaking of a team who doesn't really know what they're doing with their roster, you said they were trying to lose the game this weekend. The Dallas Cowboys, I'm sorry to my friends that are Cowboy fans, and I think most realistic Cowboy fans know this, but they're going to blow it this year. I just don't understand, and man, I've said this, I feel like a decent amount on the podcast this year, is I don't get what Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy don't understand. Stop running the offense through Dak Prescott. I get it. Houston's bad. This could be really fun. 10 o'clock game. Jerry World, like, let's air it out. Let's get Gallup going. Let's get C.D. Lamb going. No, that's not how you run your offense. Zeke looks great. You've just finally tapped into the potential of Tony Pollard. Those guys had probably 40 yards a pop. Pollard had two touchdowns in the first quarter. And they didn't do anything the rest of the game because Dak kept airing it out, turning the ball over, making dumb decisions. And I don't dislike Dak, but they just get away from this running game that they, in my opinion, have the best duo of running backs right now in the NFL just because Pollard is the best quote-unquote backup in the league right now. The Cowboys just refuse to run the ball, refuse to work that running game and take the ball out of Dak's hands. And... What's going to happen is the Lions are going to come to town. The Niners are going to come to town. One of these teams are going to come in with a good defense and they're not going to run the ball and the Cowboys will just go home with their tail between their legs again in the playoffs. Well, and I was actually referring to Houston trying to lose this game. Um, but <laughs> oh. yes, I, I would agree with you. The Cowboys <laughs> at times did seem like they were trying to lose the game. Um, but my takeaway from that game was wow, Houston is tanking at a incredible margin. I mean, great, great. it's it's crazy to watch a football team. And I only caught the end of that game. Try to lose the football games. Um, and it's sad. I, I couldn't imagine like being a fan of the Houston Texans at this point or any of these teams like the Miami Dolphins a few years ago and they were doing the same thing. Like, I just I couldn't support that. And I, I don't know how Lovey Smith can even keep his role without resigning because of I'm sure what is the ownership group asking him to be aggressive right at times right go for it on fourth and one instead of kicking the field goal because that's smart um but yeah I I, I agree with you from the Cowboys perspective Zeke looks absolutely great you know he's they've, great. they've held him from the 20 25 carries which we all were just like give him the ball and it, it clearly was for a reason to keep him fresh for when teams and defenses were tired at the end of the season and now he can take advantage and Pollard's a free agent what are we kidding ourselves go out there and burn him right yeah run it run him 20 times True. get him 20 touches sure the playoffs matter and whatnot but he seems to be a very healthy player currently give him the ball with that being said, too, Houston's not the game where you want to see Tony Pollard tear an ACL, and now you're talking about, you know, oh, my God, the playoffs are, are in jeopardy because we'll lose in the first round. Um, so I get that struggle, but we've been questioning McCarthy's play calling and Kellen Moore's, you know, play calling, too, for a decade, right? Kellen Moore a little bit less because he's so young, but there is no question that Kellen Moore does not understand the offense and didn't understand it as a quarterback either. 
I mean, Boise State's offense was a completely different facade than it is in the NFL. Um, so it's it's frustrating to watch the Cowboys, but I think you said it best. I expect a team to come to town in the playoffs and to make life very difficult on Dallas. Now, the 49ers come to town. Obviously, we're going to talk about them in a little bit here. I have a little different opinion on that, but I could easily see the Lions coming in there and having an upset. Um, yeah. And as it stands currently, I don't think they beat the Eagles with the way they've been playing. They have to control the ball and the run game if they go into Philly in the postseason. Yep, I agree. And that's what killed them in their game against Philly as well. They just keep getting away from it. And we'll see what they do. Do they adjust? Do I expect them to adjust? No, because just like you said, we've been primed to this Mike McCarthy. I will die with the ships. I will go down in the heat of battle not adjusting because that's just kind of who he is. And he's been successful with it, you know, but to a fault. Um, You brought up the Niners and we'll we'll just transition into them before we get into our last point for uh, before we get into week 15 is Brock Purdy. America's sweetheart, Mr. Irrelevant, probably, in my opinion, one of the coolest stories of this entire NFL season, right? We've moved from Trey Lance, who you and I were both nervously excited to see play because both of us weren't very high on him. We weren't very high on Christian Watson either. Look how that turned out, right? Trey could have been something. Who knows? I hope he ends up coming back and getting a chance. Um, I love Jimmy more than you do. That ends up not working out for them, breaks his ankle. And now we have this kid, Brock Purdy, who was so far down on the quarterback list, we didn't even get to him in our draft series. Now, I only knew who he was because I'm such a big Brees Hall fan, and I watched a little bit of those Iowa State games and he was the quarterback. But Matt, he looks like a pretty good professional football player thus far through one and a half games. You know, he looked really good against that Tampa Bay defense, who is struggling, but I thought he held his own and played a really good football game. Now, my question to you specifically is why will Brock Purdy be able to lead the San Francisco 49ers into a deep playoff run? So my answer is he won't. Um, (laughs) And he won't because he was awful at Iowa State. Awful. I watched some of those games. He didn't look like he even had a business being their quarterback in some of those games. And he had some decent games. Um, and what I've seen so far is actually pretty impressive, but I kind 100%. of look I look at it from a false confidence perspective. He's out there with no choice but to be confident and to lead this team. Uh, first game that he came into when Jimmy G got hurt, they threw a lot of balls in the flat, a lot of crossing routes. They really protected him. This past weekend, he had the rushing touchdown, and he looked very good against a what we should consider from a personnel perspective a good defense. Um but I'm not sold, and I don't know that I will ever be sold unless he does lead this team on a deep playoff run. He's got to make throws against good, good defenses. And again, Tampa's supposed to have a good defense. I don't know what's going on there. Also, I think that game got away from Tampa very quickly, and I think they were demoralized very fast. Um, but Debo Samuels, Debo Samuel's out now, presumably this week. He is doubtful. This will be the week where I really want to see him and see the ability that he has. You know, you can utilize George Kittle. Can you get Brandon Ayuk the ball, you know, in, in single coverage where it's just a man-to-man option play? Um, also, you know, he has Christian McCaffrey back there kind of alleviating some of this pressure. But you look at the teams in the playoff hunt currently. You talked about Detroit with Aiden Hutchinson, right? We have Minnesota with uh, Zadarius Smith. We have the Cowboys. We have Parsons. You know, you look at what the Eagles are able to do with their defensive schemes in general and the ability for them to play an up-tempo game. All of those things play against what Purdy's going to be able to do, which is control the football and just methodically work that running game, which is Shanahan's system. 
I just do not see an avenue for them having success in the playoffs. I know they have the number one defense. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. But you are talking about a seventh-round quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, and I just can't believe that history is going to repeat itself and create us a new Tom Brady. Yeah, I think it also, and I think the last thing to add on to that, because I don't necessarily disagree with you, I think he can make the run because I think Shanahan is arguably the best or second best play caller in the NFL behind or with Sean McVay, however you want to argue that. Um, I think we can't downplay how good Christian McCaffrey is. I, I think that is a massive part to why he's so successful because no player in the NFL can guard him coming out of the backfield on those option routes. You saw it again all all game against Tampa Bay, just dominating Levante David and Devin White, who are two of the best in the game um, on those option pass routes out of the backfield, man. And having a healthy Christian McCaffrey, if they don't get him injured, if he doesn't hurt himself or run get ran into the ground throughout the end of this year, as well as the NFL playoffs, um, I think he can make it happen, but I don't disagree with you, Matt. It's going to be tough without Debo. It's going to be tough, especially with a team like the Cowboys, like you brought up. But some of these really elite teams in the NFC, they, their stronghold on defense is that D-line. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to even just see him Thursday night on a short week against Seattle, which we'll get to that game here in a second. But I think he can lead them. I don't think I'm as down on him as you are, but... I think that's mostly because of Shanahan and McCaffrey, not necessarily Brock Purdy himself. Because if we're really being honest with ourselves, and I'm a big Jimmy guy, Jimmy's a bottom half quarterback, right? And you can pretty much plug, plug and play Purdy with you know what Jimmy was doing. And he's a little more athletic. Yeah, well, and my take really, it comes from an emotional perspective of having 49er fans surround me here on the West Coast <laughs> who think that they're going to the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, welcome it's to like, that. Yeah. It's like be realistic with yourselves. Are they is he is Brock Purdy really gonna beat the Cowboys, Tampa Bay again, possibly, you know, Minnesota and Philadelphia? Again, if he does all of that, tough. if he does all Maybe. of that, I'm I'm in. Potentially even even the Packers if they fucking somehow some way the Lions, you know, like yeah. And then is he going to be able to actually go ahead and beat either Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or our boy Joey Burrow? Like it's it's ridiculous to me that these fans still today think that their team is made of gold. Like (laughs) you you lost a starting cornerback to an ACL tear. Good luck. All of those teams are passing teams. All of those teams are going to yet again go ahead and attack your secondary, which has been frail for years now. And I get that they have one of the greatest, most dominant offensive lines in the game today, and that Kyle Shanahan's the coach, but Brock Purdy hasn't proven enough yet. That's my I take. agree with you. I agree with you. Okay. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, or at least my, we can call it my hot take of the episode, my. Monday morning quarterback take, but I I will die on this. Um, I have a dark horse in the AFC. I truly believe this, that the dark horse contender in the AFC is not the Houston Texans, (laughs) but a healthy, keyword healthy, LA Chargers. And by healthy, I mean Eckler, Williams, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, all on the field. I truly believe that offense with that quarterback can compete with Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo, and we'll even throw the Ravens in there, who are a giant question mark right now. 
because yes, the Chargers defense is, you know, not very good. I understand the Chargers are still the Chargers, but the Bengals defense is banged up. Kansas City's defense is way too inconsistent right now. And Buffalo, their defense is good, but their offense is losing their identity. And I think Herbert and those guys can compete and get into a one possession game at the end of the at the end of the game and maybe make a run this offseason if they or this uh, postseason if they sneak into this dance. I really believe I don't know if you watched much of the game um, Sunday night, Matt, but that game Herbert played against that Dolphins defense in that Dolphins of de- Dolphins and <laughs> Dolphins defensive line was arguably one of the most impressive performances I've seen in a while. He might be the best pocket passer in the game, man. This guy had no time, was throwing ropes, maneuvering the pocket, making good decisions, throwing accurate balls, and with Keenan finally looked healthy, Williams finally looked healthy, and they just couldn't stop Herbert, man. He is really, really special, but he needs his guys. Yeah, um, my first take was, you know, they lost to the Raiders, but uh, let's just give him a pass on that since half of his team was, you know, on the bus with injuries. Right. Um, Secondly, I am not a believer in Miami's defense, but I also didn't watch the game, so it's not fair for me to really question him and, and what that defense looked like. But my big takeaway here is he may be able to do it one week in the playoffs. He will not be able to do it three. It's just, right. it's just the truth of it. Like yeah. he may be able to knock off Buffalo or Cincinnati or Kansas city one time, but he's going to have to go into the next week and beat another very good team. And then he's going to have to go into the championship round and beat yet another good team. And I think Herbert can do that. I do not think the coaching staff has it in them to drop the plays to be three very good teams. Okay. And that's just what leads me to believe the coach has to go. You have to get a coach in there like Sean Payton, who's been rumored over the last couple of weeks to want to go and coach Herbert to come in there if you have any chance. Because at the at the current moment, you need a good coach that can overcome this defense and you need a good quarterback. Right now, they have the quarterback. The amount of injuries they have on that defense is really sad. All the money they spent this offseason is essentially wasted because you know, of the injury bug. But as it stands currently, I, I just don't foresee a Super Bowl run from the Chargers. Um, and again, we're, we're an injury, we're a Keenan Allen injury away or a Mike Williams injury away from having this conversation derailed. Yeah, of course we have, a, we have four more weeks in the NFL. It's going to happen both. I mean, <laughs> at least from Mike Williams, the guy can't yeah, stay healthy to save he can't his life stay healthy this year. Yeah. And it's a credit to what you said coming into the season. You didn't believe that Mike Williams season last year was fully legitimate. You call it a contract performance year. And honestly, I'm starting to buy into that. I mean, yep. we'll see time will tell. But he's had more injuries this season. He's been on the bench more times than he's been on the field. And it's really affecting Herbert's ability because the difference between what Herbert can do with both of those players and without is drastic. And it's a no-brainer because they're both very good players, one healthy and one performing. Okay, so... Week 15, we're going to go rapid fire who wins and why, starting with Thursday night football, Matt, Niners, Seahawks, Niners in Seattle. Who wins? Why? I say the Seahawks win this game, and I think the reason is because Debo Samuel will be out. This 49ers team is going to have to rely on just Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy. You know, the gadget play is gone. Yeah, I think the Seahawks win if 
Kenneth Walker plays because Geno Smith needs a run game in order to play his game, not turn the ball over and move into those bad habits that he had all those years in New York. Um, If Kenneth Walker does not play, I like the San Francisco 49ers to win. The next game is the Baltimore Ravens, probably without Lamar Jackson going into Cleveland, playing the Deshaun Watson led Cleveland Browns who wins and why I think the Ravens um obviously I think that Hunley also has to play he has to clear concussion protocol correct um so there's that big what if but I'm sorry I can't get behind Deshaun Watson I think he looks terrible on the football field right now I don't know that I'll be ready to really put any eggs in his basket till next year and even then I don't know yeah, I don't know as well. I'm also going to take the Baltimore Ravens with or without Brett Hundley. Reason being is that the Cleveland Browns, similar to the Dallas Cowboys, have lost their identity and are fully trying to win these games Games on Deshaun Watson's shoulders, moving away from Nick Chubb, moving away from Kareem Hunt, and that is not the recipe for success for a successful Cleveland Browns team. I love Baltimore this weekend, even though it's in Cleveland. Um, the last Saturday game is actually a banger. We've got the Miami Dolphins coming off a bad loss. I'm not sure Tyreek Hill's situation nor what he's going to be, his availability for this game on Saturday, going into Buffalo to play Josh Allen and the Bills. Matt, rapid fire. Who wins? Why? I think the Bills win this, and I think it's because Tua has kind of hit his you know mid-year, end-of-the-year um, negative performance time. Like What we saw from Tua the last couple of weeks is very disappointing. And he needs to figure out how to knock this rust off. Otherwise, you're talking about Miami possibly not making the playoffs. Yeah, to double down on your exact take, I love Buffalo because I don't think Tua's hit his end of the year rut. I think the San Francisco 49ers finally put out tape on how to slow down Tyreek Tua in this McDaniels offense. And it's up to them to adjust. I just don't think in the snow or in the cold in Buffalo is going to be when they do. Um, The next game that we have on the list is the Lions going into New York to play the New York Jets. Now, this is a pick 'em, Matt. I think Mike White is going to play for that Jets uh, for that Jets team on Sunday. Who wins and why? This is a really hard one for me. I'm going to say the Jets. I'm going to say the bounce back from last week is going to happen. I think Sauce Gardner is going to make life very difficult on Jared Goff. And I think ultimately Knight's emergence in that backfield for New York is going to help prevail them to a very slight three-point victory here. Yeah, I think the train keeps on rolling in Detroit. I think they keep winning. I think that they are going to lean heavily on Jamal Williams and De- uh, DeAndre Swift, as well as get my guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, the ball as much as possible in the slot in motion. And I think they're going to prevail against this New York Jets team. I do as well think it's going to be a field goal game. Um, Interesting, fun game here. We do have the Cowboys going and traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Only four and a half point favorites on the road. I think that's actually a really fair number. Who wins, Jacksonville or the Cowboys? So my heart wants to take Jacksonville, but the truth is I think the (laughs) Cowboys run game wins this football game. And it's simply because the, the Jacksonville Jaguars do not have a number two. ETN has not been getting himself in stride in the last couple of weeks. And in order to beat Dallas, they're going to need to utilize that run game to slow down the pressure. I don't think the Jaguars are ready for that. Yeah, I think for me, it's really simple is that Jacksonville hasn't proven that they can put two consecutive good weeks together. Even though that they looked great against Tennessee last week, 
prove it to me against an elite defense and an elite offense when ran um, the correct way in the Dallas Cowboys. So I like the Cowboys as well to win there. Next game is going to be the Patriots are going into your home, Las Vegas, playing the Raiders. Only a one-point favorite for New England going into Vegas. Who wins and why? I think the Patriots win, and I think it's because of Nick Folk. Is that correct? Am I saying that correct? correct? Yes. It's gonna, this is going to be possibly a three, four, five field goal game for Folk. And at the end of the day, I just think Derek Carr is going to give the ball away too many times. Derek Carr is going to cry on the podium at the end of the game, and Derek Carr is <laughs> going to Derek Carr. Uh, it's really unfortunate, but at this point, the Raiders uh, are just going to be reminded to week in and week out why they need to let him go in the offseason. Yeah, I actually like the Raiders this weekend. I think their defensive line is going to be able to give Mac Jones just enough trouble to let Josh Jacobs run the ball and control the time of possession, control the clock, and hopefully win that game for the Raiders. I actually think the Raiders are going to win this game because their defensive line and Josh Jacobs. Um, The next game is actually, dang, this is a really, really good game. Uh, Titans Chargers. We talked about both of these teams here a little bit um, in the beginning. Titans are on the road, three-point underdogs in L.A. Who wins and why? I'm going to take this as a bounce back for the Titans. Um, I know they were they were made to look really bad last week, but I, again, don't have faith in the Chargers yet. Uh, and I do believe Derrick Henry's performance, at least in the first half of that game, is going to bleed into this game, and it's just time to trust him. It's time to give him the ball 30, 40 times in this game and let him eat. Yeah, for some reason, I feel like they're not going to do that, and they've gotten away from that. And Henry has had a couple fumbles here the last few weeks, but like I said, just before we got into this segment here, I believe in this healthy Chargers team. I think they can put the Titans away offensively. It's just up to the defense to slow down Derrick Henry and not let them win the time of possession. So I like the Chargers here on Sunday. Um, Really fun matchup. Bengals in Tampa Bay. Right now, the Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you like and why? I like the Bengals. I like them in a very big way. And I think at this point, this is the last game of the season that the Buccaneers are going to have to have a real test because they get the Cardinals, they get Carolina and Atlanta to end the season. Mm. Uh, But I I think we see a similar repeat to what we saw last week, which is Tom Brady struggling and that defense also struggling, struggling against Joey Burrow. I'm really nervous about the Bengals this weekend. They have a lot of injuries. I don't know what the status is with Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and the fact that they have to go up against a really good defensive line. With that being said, I still don't have faith in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's out of sorts. The Bengals still have a really good defensive line that's going to give Tampa a lot of trouble this weekend. So I'll still take the Bengals as well to win this game, but I I don't love this pick. I don't feel as confident as as the other picks before this, to be honest with you. Um, last one, our guys. Actually, I haven't talked about them much lately. They're just coming off a bye. Green Bay looks like they're going to be playing against Baker Mayfield on Monday night in Green Bay at home. It's going to be below freezing temperatures. I don't know if there'll be any snow. Packers are seven-point favorites. I'll let you know right now you should lay the Rams and feel good about it. But uh, who, do you, <laughs> who are you taking and why? Yeah, I'm taking the Packers, and it's the run game. You know, they have a healthy Jones. They have a healthy Dylan. And the Rams coming into this game with Cam Akers as their lead back is going to be in trouble because ultimately you're not going to be able to pound the ball with those temperatures. And I think the Packers do just enough to actually cover the seven points in this game. Oh, you do think they cover. I don't think they cover, but I definitely think the Packers win. Um, Just for the simple fact, and this is just the homer and Packer fan in me, that 
they actually still have something to play for. You know, I respected what Baker did last week. I know he's going to come out and play hard, but at the end of the day, the Packers season's on the line, right? They still have an opportunity. They still have a small percentage to get into the playoffs. And if Seattle does end up losing Thursday night, their percentage of getting into the playoffs jumps up to like 40, 50%. They do have a shot. They have to win out. And it starts Monday night against the defending champions who are coming in so banged up. So um, I like the Packers. Don't feel good about them, though, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Everyone, we appreciate you as always. You can follow me, Matt Guest, on Twitter, Matt underscore Guest. We aren't verified. Don't pay for it. But uh, other Matt is Matt underscore E underscore Morris on Twitter. Podcast is at PitcherBetPod, at PitcherBetSports on TikTok. We'll see you guys next week. Later.